coming up on Stu Does America. What do Joe Biden and the KKK have in common? More than you think. Rob Smith joins us to talk about his new book, Always a Soldier, Service, Sacrifice, and coming out as America's favorite black gay Republican. And the lovely and talented Lisa Page, my wife, swings by to chat about the reopening of Texas schools and how long it's going to be before we get to take a nap again. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, comment, and like all our videos, including this one. Do it right now, this one right now. And help us defeat the evil YouTube algorithm robots that are in a constant state of war against conservative content. And do you know how you can look as cool as I do? Uh, well, just buy a single suit and wear it every single day. Or go to stewdoesmerch.com right now and get your Stew Does America gear, or maybe a nice uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks commemorative pen. And if you know anyone in New York, just send them to andrewcuomoisawful.com. They can still buy the same stuff, but they'll also get the extra reminder that Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. Stew Does America. Before we get into this, let's take a minute to realize where we are. The TV show Cops was canceled because one member of the profession featured on the show was charged with murder. Aunt Jemima was canceled for being a racist African-American product, despite the fact that it was more popular among African-Americans than any other race. The Washington Redskins name was canceled as well, despite between 70 and 90 percent of Native Americans not finding the name offensive. The Dixie Chicks name was canceled, despite no one in America knowing they were still a band. Needless to say, we kind of live in sensitive times. I'm not sure if you've noticed that. So then why does a man who has expressed outward admiration of a famous KKK leader continue to be allowed to represent one of the two major parties in the United States as its presidential nominee? I'm talking, of course, about Joe Biden, the man chosen to eulogize Robert C. Byrd, former KKK leader. You can only assume that the C stood for Caucasian. Robert Byrd wasn't just a KKK leader, but he was a KKK recruiter. Think about that for a second. He convinced other people to join the KKK. He went to people that didn't think it was a good idea to join the KKK before and convinced them that it was a good time to join now. This is the man that Joe Biden eulogized. How would you summarize a life like that. The remarkable thing about him is the he traveled a hard path. He devoted his life, though, to making that path a little easier for those who follow. Hmm. This is a guy who continued to taste and smell and feel what the suffering of the people of his state. Oh. He tasted it. Tasted it. That's why it was so deeply ingrained in him. Hmm. Robert Byrd sure seemed like he enjoyed the taste of certain people's suffering. Of course, Byrd wasn't always in the KKK. He eventually left as it became a tad unfashionable. But he didn't let that stop him. He continued to fight for his white supremacist ideas. Two years after leaving the KKK, he wrote in a letter, quote, rather I should die a thousand times and see old glory trampled in the dirt never to rise again than to see this beloved land of ours become degraded by race mongrels, end quote. Just because he left the Klan, he wouldn't give up. 
the fact that he always fought for his principles was something that Joe Biden truly admired, as he noted, while specifically referring to Byrd's early years. Having to work at an early age, he had an incredible, incredible determination. Mm -hmm. Yes, he sure was determined. I'll say that. In fact, he set records for his determination. He led an 83-day filibuster against the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and even ranted for a record-breaking 14 hours against civil rights. Among his ranting was supposed scientific evidence about how black people's brains were smaller, proving they were inferior. Hmm. He had strong principles and he fought hard for them. That might be what Joe Biden admired most. But ladies and gentlemen, of course, it's more than the name we're not going to forget. Hmm. It's his courage. Oh, courage. He died like he lived. He died like he lived his life. He never stopped fighting. How many people would have hung on as long as he did? How many people would have had the ability to get back out of that hospital bed and get in a wheelchair and come in and vote? Vote for this. He never stopped thinking about his people. Hmm. Thinking of his people. Interesting thing to praise there, Joe. Some people would look back at this record and say it was, I don't know, racist. Some would say prejudiced. Some would, I would guess, use the term incredible esteem. If you didn't already know it, it's pretty clear the incredible esteem your father was held in. I know you've known that your whole life. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have. Look, a record like that does not deserve incredible esteem. But then again, I'm not a member of the party of the KKK, and I've never been invited to wax poetic about a KKK recruiter. Perhaps I don't understand the culture. Eventually, Robert Byrd would mention that perhaps the KKK wasn't such a good idea. And to be fair, it only took him over a half century to deliver these deeply principled words of guidance to younger politicians about the KKK. Quote, don't get that albatross around your neck. Once you've made that mistake, you inhibit your operations in the political arena. <laughs> As you can see, he definitely didn't abandon the public face of racism for polit political expediency. Of course not. He really meant that, everybody. But it was guidance and mentoring like this that brought Biden and Byrd together as friends. He was a friend, and he was a mentor, and he was a guide. Oh, isn't that nice? I sure hope Uncle Joe learned a lot from Senator Byrd. Now, not everyone saw that, you know, hey, guys, avoid the KKK or it could hurt your career as strong enough of a denouncement. That's why in 2001, 2001, like this century, Robert Byrd went on TV to tell his real truth about racism, as only Robert Byrd could, with multiple uses of the N-word. Race relations. They're much, much better than they've ever been in my lifetime. I think we, as my personal opinion, I think we talk about race too much. Hmm. Yeah. I think there are, I think those problems 
are largely behind us. Oh, okay. That's good. I think we can all profit by our mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think we've reached a new plateau. New plateau. And I think it's going to keep going upward. That's not a plateau. That understanding but... and race relations. But I think we, imp I, I just think we talk so much about it that we helped, I think, create somewhat of an illu illusion. Illusion, okay. Um, uh, I think we try to have goodwill. My old mom told me, Robert, you can't go to heaven if you hate anybody. Oh, that's going well. We practice that. That's good. There are white niggers. I've seen a lot of white niggers in my time. I'm going to use that word. Oh, wow. We didn't say we wanted to use that word, Rob. Uh, that one really kind of rolled off the tongue, didn't it? And uh, it's almost like he's been saying that word a dozen times an hour for 70 years. And guess what? He was. Even if you take the N-word out of that rant, he'd still get canceled for that today. The illusion of racism? How dare you? Think of the dedication to white supremacy one must have to produce massively offensive quotes on the same topic three quarters of a century apart. You know what I call that? Courage. He was fiercely devoted, as you've all heard, to his principles. Even once he became power, he always spoke truth to power, standing up for the people he proudly was part of. I'll say this for Joe Biden. That's true. Robert Byrd never stopped thinking about his people. But to most human beings, that is a literal description of everything that was wrong with Robert Byrd. To Joe Biden, it's glowing praise. Now, you could say that Biden is just saying some nice words at a guy's funeral, and you shouldn't read that much into it. And honestly, I have sympathy for that view, as, as you know. I mean, if you watch the show, you know I think cancel culture is always dumb. I am not rooting for this stuff. But I'm old enough to remember when Trent Lott spoke at Strom Thurmond's 100th birthday party and honored his career. You know what happened to him in a much less sensitive era? He lost his job and his political career was destroyed. Now, in the era of pancake spokespeople getting canceled, Joe Biden is going to get a free pass for eulogizing a freaking KKK member? Are you serious? We probably will never know what Joe Biden and Robert Byrd talked about in private. We know that they served together in the Senate for multiple decades. Some of that time, Byrd was an overt racist. Other times, he was just a racist in private. But one thing is for sure. If Robert Byrd were around for his own funeral, he would have been proud that he was honored by Joe Biden, a man who constantly is saying things like this. When he was over there in Iraq for a year, people would come to him and talk about what was happening to him at home in terms of foreclosures, in terms of bad loans that were being, I mean, these Shylocks who took advantage of, uh, of these women and men while overseas. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Oh. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Uh, oopsie. 
Not the best way. Not the best way to talk about those things. But he's fine. Don't worry about it. No racism there whatsoever. Let's talk about uh, your health. Let's talk about maybe the COVID-19 crisis and how it's affecting not uh, not the virus and just just the weight gain. It's happening to a lot of people, happened to uh, tons of people. You put on the COVID-19, maybe a little, you know, a little bit of weight gain and you never really got out of the house. It was difficult. Well, one way to attack that is intermittent fasting. It's a kind of a different way of looking at things. Um, it is a, 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 a formula that uh, that's been going around. It's been increasing in popularity. Uh, but the people at Fast Blast are the ones who really understand this. Uh, they have been doing this for a very long time. Uh, the guy who runs the company has been doing this for a very long time. Good dude. And he's, he's just like looked at this and said, look, this is a much better way of going about this. What I like about it, and this is probably not what he would tell you, but what I like about it is you can still have some of those days mixed in where maybe you don't eat all that great. You know, maybe you go on vacation. You want to come back and bounce back quickly. Intermittent fasting is a great approach because you just go on this thing. You got a couple days a week. Um, they, they'll give you the whole program, but it's a couple days a week where you're uh, only having these fast blast smoothies. Uh, you eat a, it's a couple of them a day or a couple every couple of hours, a few a day, um, and it keeps you full. And you lose weight really fast on those days, and you see a change in the scale every day. And that's important to me because if I'm going to put any effort in and sacrifice things, then I really want to have uh, some results. I want to notice. And with Fast Blast, you really do notice. We always tell you to do your own homework, so I'll have to urge you to, to uh, learn more about intermittent fasting, the whole plan, at fastblast.com slash blaze. There, you can get their whole plan. They can walk you through the whole thing, and you can get the, uh, the smoothies as well. The slash blaze part of the address, of course, is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. So get started today with Fast Blast for a healthier and smaller you. It's fastblast.com slash blaze. Joined now by a very special guest, someone smarter than me, more attractive than me, more athletic than me. She could probably beat me up. Uh, luckily, she won't because I'm talking about my wonderful wife, Lisa Page. Be sure to check out her podcast, Lisa Page Made Me Do It, and learn what it's like to be me, where your life is completely dictated by Lisa Page. That's how it works. Um, Lisa, let's, uh, let's talk about the COVID transition. You're a mom, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Yep. Uh, and uh, here you are. Kids are in school, loving school. They actually pretty much like it. And then COVID-19 happens, and all of a sudden they're home with you every day. Yeah. While you have a full-time job. It was great. Mm. Um, no, obviously that transition from getting out of school, actually, when did they get out? Like the beginning of March. March we yeah, came right yeah. out of spring break. That's right. And you one day came home from work and you're like, I don't think they're going back. And I'm like, ha, 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 that's funny. <laughs> and sure enough, we got, you know, it was postponed till, you know, the end of Mar or the end of March. Then it was the beginning of April. And then now here we are almost six months later. And God willing, praise be, our kids are <laughs> on track to go back in person on August 13th. Yeah, it's pretty rare around the country right now. A lot of places are delaying the in-person start till, you know, September. A lot of places here in Texas, late September. Um, you know, we go to a school that is going to uh, have the kids at school that are going to go back uh, on the normal date in August, which is where we go here. Uh, that's a that's a big pr privilege because you're not only in my lovely wife, but also have a big Instagram page. Lisa Page made me do it and a podcast. Um, and it's like you hear from moms all the time that are in panic mode right now. Yeah, and I would be too. And I will probably be in panic mode, so prepare yourself. If our kids go to school for a month and are released again because of something. Like, I think it's stupid of us to not think it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, because now anything can happen. But 
I mean, really, I have been talking to moms this entire time. And I would say 90% of moms agree that our kids need to be back in school. They need to be back. Our, our kids have been doing camp since the end of May pretty much the entire time with other kids, with other counselors, and knock on wood, no issues. They're outside, they're inside, they're doing all these activities, they're interacting with other kids from other families, and we haven't had any problems. Um, so, like, my whole thing is, why are, you, why are you putting parents through this again? Our kids have been on screens since March. Now we're going to go through September with more screen time. Yeah. Uh, and also... The fact that a lot of schools are having teachers actually in the classroom and now you've got your kid zoomed in the entire day from 745 until three o'clock. Yeah. How are you supposed to? And for people that work, I, I've been hearing from moms that are like, I have five kids and I work or I'm a single mom and I have three kids. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, it makes it impossible. So explain to me how you understand this. Is it basically the kids... Because uh, when they did this in March, they would come home. They'd have a certain amount of activities they had to get through through the, through the day. A couple yeah. hours worth of work. A couple. They could do them whenever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes they were doing them at 6 o'clock at night, yeah. right? Like we just, you know, whatever, whatever works. Right? Yeah, yes. That's not the way it looks yeah. for this coming fall. How, what's the difference? Okay, so the here's the twist. We are not, thank the Lord, teaching the kids. Uh, which was the problem. Right. I mean, I don't know. What, I mean, homeschooling is a tough thing to do. Well, yeah. And there are certain people cut out for it. We have friends who are cut out for it. They yeah. do it really well. We are not those people. We are not those people. <laughs> so that's the, 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 it was just a struggle for a lot of moms. Some moms loved it. Great for them. Yeah. But it was a struggle for those of us who are like, I don't know what to do. There's so many logins. There's, and just to have your kids sit down and focus when there's so many other distractions, it's very stressful. Like, we're their moms. We're not supposed to be teaching them school lessons. I don't know what, I, I don't even know how to play Twister with them. Like, so <laughs> I was just, well, it's also, the jump. it's also too, school, again, so we love homeschooling here. A lot of people uh, love, it's a great Texas way. Texas is a huge state for great, homeschoolers. Yeah. There's yeah. no knock against it. It's just certain, certain people are really good at that type yeah. of thing. Certain people uh, aren't, uh, including myself. Um, so, it, it, but it's a different environment because you're sending kids to a school normally where they're in a classroom that in their head is designated as a learning space, mm -hmm. right? When they're at home, the place where they're normally playing with dad or playing video games or you know watching TV, playing with their sister, whatever it is, that's not, they're not in that mode. So they, they are trying to get in that mode, and it is a very distracting environment. It is. It's, and it's so stressful. I called you one afternoon bawling my eyes out because <laughs> I don't want to fight with our kids. I don't oh, want to have to tell them they've got to do it. But that was the problem. It, you know, our home is our home, and it's where we love on our kid, and it's, it's, it's their fun space. Yeah. It's their, their safe place. And at school, they know that they got to get their job done. They've got to get their work completed. And this going back in for the fall, the difference is now these kids are going to be they're going to be using Zooms and they're watching their teacher teach from the classroom while they're at home with a thousand other distractions, just like back in yeah. March. The only difference is us as parents aren't teaching them, but we're trying to keep them focused. But we're also now stuck in our house like we as moms you know even moms that work what are they supposed to do you can't leave yeah, when your kid is home you yeah go, yeah it's impossible and they're supposed to basically check in 
to every class and they take attendance. As if they're, yes, at, at, at least in our town. Yeah. They are supposed to sign in at 745 for attendance. And then they go from 745 to 3 p.m. with 15-minute breaks. So it's like, okay, as a mom, they, Zach and Ilsie want to have a snack. Okay, well, how am I? They're not going to want it. They're going to sit down for a show, which if I, if I was doing this, I wouldn't even allow them to turn the TV on because they'll never get off of it. Right, right. It's a struggle. And, and I've heard from a lot of teachers that are like a little insulted that the government thinks that like us as parents, some of us haven't even went to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're that uh, they're they're that big on us, or they're that confident that we can teach the kids these yeah. lessons, which we I can't. Yeah, and I don't think you know. I think that's some p- teachers are taking it that way. Like you, you can't just throw anybody into this role. I worked hard to yeah. learn this stuff. I have which, several degrees, which yeah. makes sense. Um, you know, though obviously parents can do this as well. Um, uh, so one of the interesting things that I think is popping up, because, you know, I'm a big fan of capitalism, as, as you know. Oh, so am I. Uh, yes, we're both big fans of capitalism. That's why the relationship works so yeah. well. Um, but I think one of the in- innovative sort of solutions here is some parents are seeing, OK, I see my future here. What I'm looking at is kids in front of Zoom for eight hours a day. Uh, when they go back, they're going to be wearing masks and, you know, hazmat suits. And I don't want that. I'm just going to pull them out this year. We're going to hire a teacher yep. and do a little pod thing. Mm-hmm. Can you explain it? Because you know people who are doing this. I've heard from so many moms. So for those families that have the extra money, um, a lot of, of my friends have gotten together that are dealing with this, pub, this new layout with the public schools. And they have gotten a couple of kids and they have uh, searched, uh, you know, retired teachers or maybe student mm-hmm. teachers or people that have just graduated that have a degree now in, in childhood education but can't get a job because nobody's hiring. <laughs> right, right. So they're hiring these teachers or teacher's aides or somebody that knows anything more than what we would know. And these teachers are – if I could t- – I, I can't even explain to you how much money these teachers can make on the side. I've even read through our uh, town's Facebook Page, how teachers are now soliciting, like, I will come to your house Mm -hmm. for X amount of hours and teach your child. So this is another way to do it. And this is the way we will do it, honey, if for (laughs) some reason our kids get sent home. Because I'm not I'm not going through what we went through in March. It's just not going to happen. No, no. (laughs) Believe me. That that, that part I do understand. This is the one thing in this interview I was 100 (laughs) percent sure of. Um, it's, It's interesting, though, because some of the worry, right, of sending your kids back to school is that they're going to be around other kids. And then everyone's just going to have basically the old school 1700s one-room uh, one schoolhouse inside their own house. So they're going to still be interacting with other kids, maybe not as many, but they're still going to be interacting with other kids. They're still going to be having a teacher present. What's the difference between that and just school? Well, you mean as far as like the pods go with yeah, other like kids? Yeah, like well, I think that they're just, I think the idea behind it is they're like the, the parents can control the group of kids, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like my friend is, is getting together with three other moms and it's going to be like four kids total. Right. Okay. So it's nice, not, small, yeah, small, we're not groups. doing like 10 or 11 kids. We have a, a, a couple that were going to our school and they pulled all four of their kids out. God wow. love this woman. And she's going to attempt this hybrid version of homeschooling at her house with her four kids. She's also an entrepreneur. Her husband works, you know, like yeah. there's a lot going on. I, it takes a very special person with a lot of patience that I don't have to do the homeschool thing. We've also seen some of the restrictions they're talking about if kids do go back to school. Right. And some of them are, it's incredible. Like, I mean, kindergartners in face shields and masks and, uh, you know, lines painted in the middle of hallways. So you have to stay on one side all the time. And I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be 
the most warm schooling experience, yeah. and certainly not the one we were used to. No. Um, so our friend is right now just like juggling what she's going to do. Yeah. She needs to find a job. She's not sure she's going to send her kids. But that's she's like, I can't send both of my kids to school in face shields all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, don't, I mean, I wouldn't want to send our kids to school in face shields all day. Uh, I think that the difference is obviously with private. We're, we're not having to do that. They're going into school with a mask. They're coming out of the school with a mask. Our kids like wearing the masks like yeah. I think to a lot of kids. It's if you get them cool masks, our kids will wear the mask. Oh, yeah, they like, like Zach <laughs> they loves his mask. He wants yeah. to look like he's 10. Yeah. So he chooses to wear this mask around to camp when it's 100 degrees outside. Yeah, it's, it's totally up to he loves it. In case you were wondering if he's my kid or not, uh, I'm pretty sure he is, considering he's come up with a scheme to convince people that he's 10 years old when he's not. Yeah. Uh, he's just going to wear the mask to convince others yeah. that he's a badass, which is kind of a good. I, I like I mean, the I, I, I do like the side. Yeah. I, you know, it's <laughs> but um, yeah, but I, I also think that moms and dads are struggling like, well, are are they going to get a better, like, they're going to get a better dose of learning? I don't really care if they're in masks. If, if my kids don't, if my kids see that other kids are in masks, probably won't be that big of a deal. I mean, yeah. if you can make it cool, like Etsy's got tons of cool face shields. It's just going to be Halloween for them every yeah. day for I a think while. At least in a short term, it's more, it's more annoying to parents. Yeah. Because you don't want them to have to. To, to deal with that situation. You don't want their pictures from kids, school yeah. to, you know, they got masks on. On the other hand, like, it, you know, it is, it's one of these things that you'd rather have them learning because we can't go a year and a half with them not going to school. Like, they, these kids need to learn. They're going to be behind everybody else. I feel so bad. I, it is difficult. I've been saying this whole time. I don't care if the kids go back in October, then send them through next July. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to start the virtual learning. I don't want to be the one putting up, you know, and, and not to mention, what about all the families that don't have extra laptops? Who's providing yeah. those laptops? Yep. Are we going to get our well, tax money back for... Yeah. It's going to be us paying for everybody. Of course. You know, that's the way this works in this country. Um, Lisa Page, uh, she's my wife. She's a host of Lisa Page Maybe Do It. It's a podcast. Also, uh, an Instagram page. I want to say, on your Instagram page, there's I would say there's three categories on your Instagram page. One is every detail of my life that I don't know is coming because you, you, you post... I, you, people who follow your Instagram page know more about my life than I do. Uh, so that's one. Uh, two, you get all sorts of the, the makeup and all the stuff that you do very, yeah. very well uh, that I don't understand. Pop culture and makeup and all that stuff. You don't need to understand it. I will say three, though. There's a developing genre here of uh, Lisa Page conservative commentary, uh, which has a, <laughs> become a big part of the Instagram page. Give me a second on, on just how you think police have been treated recently in this country. I mean, just go to my Instagram. I, I actually, I have, I, you know, I lose followers all the time and I <laughs> gain true. some. I, yeah. But I know the ones that I'm losing are the liberals that want to defund the police. I would like to refund the police. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's just my thing. And, I, you know, I, both sides, people love it. I get a lot of, like, conservative women that are like, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying what I want to say, but I can't say it because I will lose my job. Yes. And then I have other people that are calling me, a racist and of course well that's of course. part of it whenever I mean, you whenever you say you'd like lower taxes you're automatically a racist just the way this thing fine. works it's fine uh, uh, it's funny because you don't care you just i really don't care power right through it does it. not phase me and it's one of my favorite things about you of course uh and of course uh as well as many of your uh, followers on instagram <laughs> it's at lisa page made me do it yep. uh, and of course that's the podcast as well lisa page i will see you i don't know i'll, I'll see you when i see you in it could a few, be a while a few hours okay all okay. right back in a second Now, you might have seen a video that went viral yesterday, uh, was pulled down all over the place uh, about hydroxychloroquine. Some doctors 
uh, talking about how they believe hydroxychloroquine is really uh, the cure for uh, COVID-19. Now, look, the, the science on, on hydroxychloroquine is mixed, frankly. Uh, there are, you know, it's weird. It's one of those things where the probably the best science and the worst science both say co- uh, hydroxychloroquine is not really effective. Some of the observational stuff, though, indicates that it is effective, especially with certain people. Um, it's not maybe a cure, but it is uh, effective treatment for a certain percentage of the population, which is great. We get we get a bunch of treatments. Uh, they can chip away at the negative sides and hopefully we can come out uh, all better off. And it does seem like we're improving our, you know, our treatment percentages. But this has been studied around the world. Hydroxychloroquine is not some lunatic uh, idea here. What's interesting is there was a uh, this video that came out uh, featured a bunch of doctors, uh, one of which is going to be on Glenn's show tomorrow explaining all about this. So it's definitely something you want to check out. Um, However, the one the the one doctor that was famous kind of out of this uh, video was a doctor. uh, She was uh, born in Cameroon uh, and she got her um, medical license in Nigeria. Um, Her name is uh, let's see here. uh, Stella Emanuel. She has some interesting views views on uh, on science and medicine and they're they're interesting things that i didn't know frankly you know i'm not a doctor i don't know these things like for example uh gynecological problems like cysts uh, are in fact caused by people having sex in their dreams with demons and witches now that's not what i thought they were okay i thought they were something different and you learn something new kind of every day right when you go through this stuff um, she also said the uh, government is run in part not by humans, but by reptilians. That one I did know. Straight out. That's true. Knew it. Uh, she does say that alien DNA is being used in medical treatments and scientists are cooking up a vaccine to prevent people from being religious, uh, which is I, I did not know that part. You know, part of this is like your, your group, you're trying to get a bunch of doctors to kind of agree with your opinion. Uh, you Get everybody together and you say, great, you guys, you got a license. Let me see your license. Okay, it's legit. Let's go. Not every doctor is at the exact same level, uh, frankly. They all have different interests. You can kind of find a doctor that will believe anything. Um, and, you know, she has a small practice in a, in, a, in a shopping mall, kind of a strip mall situation. Good for her. She may be very good with the, the children that she treats. She's a pediatrician. Some of her other issues, you know, maybe not quite as uh, based, based in science per se, uh, she had a 2015 sermon. She's very religious. Uh, had a 2015 uh, sermon that laid out the supposed Illuminati plan hatched by a witch to destroy the world using abortion, gay marriage, and you know the big three, abortion, gay marriage, and children's toys. Of course, in the sermon, she's, <laughs> she said uh, a wide variety of toys, books, and TV shows that we're trying to bring down uh, the United States, including Pokemon, Harry Potter, uh, the Disney Channel show Wizards of Waverly Place and That's So Raven, which is, I will say, so very typical of the behavior I've come to expect from Raven. Exact type of thing she would do in an episode. Look, they're going to try to smear hydroxychloroquine because tr- Donald Trump said it was uh, something that had promise. Uh, and I don't understand the I don't understand the near religious fervor of the support for hydroxychloroquine and the uh, antagonizing, uh, uh, you know, opposition to it. I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on with that. To me, I want something that's going to help cure this thing that's going to treat it. 
Um, Donald Trump said hydroxychloroquine in that first press conference, and that's true, he did. And we've seen some good results, some promising results, some maybe not so promising, but totally worth investigating. I will note that in the same press conference, he also indicated remdesivir as a uh, treatment, and remdesivir has shown real promise and uh, has also uh, uh, you know, knocked down the death percentages for people in, uh, in serious condition. Do we just ignore that Trump said that one because you found evidence that you like? I don't I don't understand this. I don't understand how any of this crap from this to masks to all the nonsense has become partisan. I, I, I don't I don't really don't get it. I really don't get it. I'll never get it. This is what I'm not going to be able to solve. I don't understand why people think this way. The bottom line is, if something works, you use it. We should all be cheering for this to be cured. If hydroxychloroquine takes off 5% on the death rate for one subset of patients, that's great news. Just because Donald Trump says it might be something good doesn't mean we should ignore the positive effects. And the other thing is, we shouldn't just go run to it just because Donald Trump says it's good. Let's look at the evidence and make our decisions from there. Back in a second. Trying to sell your home is challenging. You need a real estate agent that's going to come in, take charge of the situation. That's why you go to Real Estate Agents I Trust. It's a company that Glenn Beck himself started. That's right. So you can rest assured, uh, we're in business with only the best. People who listen to the show, people who, you know, who can understand your mindset, who can understand what it's like to do business with a handshake, even though, you know, real estate, there's a lot of signing documents. You can't really do it with a handshake. But still, you could trust them with a handshake if that was the appropriate way to do it. Real estate agents I trust will be, uh, will put you in the hands of the most capable, experienced people in your area who will see your selling process through to the very end. If you're looking to purchase a home, be sure to partner yourself with the best. The name says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. Learn more at realestateagentsitrust.com. This has bailed out thousands of people in our audience from bad real estate transactions. You could be bailed out too. realestateagentsitrust.com. Did you know we had a presidential election this year? I don't want to talk about it lately. This is the strangest election year of all time. Also interesting note, the strangest year of all time. Just bar none. There hopefully will never be another like it. Um, One interesting thing about this is we are in the middle of an election season and these events are coming up soon. And we really haven't started talking about this. Soon I'm going to be doing a segment. uh, I'm going to try to start doing it every day of just going through polls and stories and kind of breaking down the race, the Senate, the House, you know, the stuff that I've done for years on radio and all that stuff, Uh, because we're getting to that point, even though I just don't feel like there's that. There's not that fever for it this year. I guess uh, there's another fever going around, just kind of taking a a little bit of priority. Um, But let me give you a rundown of where we are, because this stuff is going to start hitting really soon. Are you prepared for this? Are you prepared for this? In 20 days, we will have the Democratic National Convention. Now, what is this going to look like? I have no idea. Uh, There's probably not going to be anybody there. Uh, it's going to be a different convention than you've ever seen, but that will be, of course, the time where you have that uh, you know, full introduction of the vice presidential candidate. Uh, there are rumors August 1st is going to be the date of the VP pick for Biden. Whether that's true or not, I mean, they're leaking things like crazy. Every camp is leaking stuff right now. They keep saying Kamala Harris is the favorite. I, it's a strange pick. I, one of the reasons why I think it's a strange pick is because we are in a a time where the left is talking about defunding the police uh, and you're going to name a prosecutor. Uh, It's a strange pick um, from uh, Joe Biden. It's not going to please the far left. 
That being said, it might be a smart pick for that reason. Uh, Joe Biden is not going to have to win over anybody on the far left. Uh, those people are not going to. I, I don't even, do you even know who the Green Party candidate is? I mean, I, I do this stuff for a living. I can't even name uh, who the Green Party candidate is. Usually by now, I've looked into all this stuff. Um, you know, it's probably I just assume it's always Jill Stein, right? It's always Jill Stein. But I don't think they're going to go that way this year if you're in the far left. They hate Trump enough that they're going to wind up going to the polls no matter what to vote against him. So the smart play, I think, for uh, Democrats is to pick somebody who is going to be in the middle. Now, Kamala Harris is not in the middle, but it might be a, she might be able to play up her sort of uh, law and order um, uh, sort of side I just don't know if they're going to do that. I think they're so committed to saying police officers are bad. They're not going to be able to do any of that stuff. And it's going to hurt them in the election. And, you know, look, I don't want Joe Biden to be president. So that's a good thing, probably. Uh, but I think that's a pretty bad pick. I would not go with Kamala Harris, frankly. Um, and I'm surprised after she basically called him a racist on stage during the debates uh, that that he would want to go that way. Uh, there are several other picks. We're going to go through them probably later this week. But it's 20 days until the Democratic uh, convention happens on August 17th. Then we have uh, August 24th is the Republican convention. That's 27 days away. The first presidential debate, something I know a lot of people who are Republicans are looking forward to because that's going to be an interesting one. One of the main things that I think you, that might uh, that might be really interesting to watch as we get closer to this, the first presidential debate, 63 days away, unless we see a real change in what's going on in the COVID-19 situation, it's likely that all three debates, including and then in, in, on top of that, the vice presidential debate will all be held without an audience. <sighs> That's an interesting bag, right? Like sometimes you have people who are in there and they're all booing Donald Trump. It could be bad. But I think even when they're booing Trump, he feeds off that energy. I think if I'm Trump, I want a crowd there. If I'm Biden, I don't. I want it to be a, a boring, cold, silent, you know, uh, disparate event. I don't want anyone. I don't want any energy in that room. I want to suck it all out, just like he's trying to do with the election. Suck out the energy of it. Basically, don't show up and hope you win that way. That's what I would want if I were the Democrats. If I were the Republicans, I'd want a crowd there. Um, but I don't know if you're going you're gonna to get one. And that could be that could be problematic for uh, for Trump. Uh, September 29th is the date of that first uh, debate. Sixty three days away. Seventy one days till the vice presidential uh, debate, which, of course, will be, we think, at least between Mike Pence and question mark. Then you have uh, October 15th is the second debate that's in Miami. Seventy nine days away. October 22nd is the third debate and final debate. Eighty six days away. And then 12 days after that last debate is the election. November 3rd, now 98 uh, days away. There's a lot going on there. There, and there's a lot that's going to come out here in the next uh, few months. Let me give you one of the big debates going on now. Uh, this is um, the new spending bill. Now, think about where we are in this country. Republicans are, pro are promoting a $1 trillion package of spending to deal with all the COVID-19 stuff. And of course, Democrats want more. And of course, they always do. But normally you think a trillion dollars from the, the Republicans. Holy crap, that's a lot of money. It's just being dismissed by the media as nothing. Here's McConnell uh, talking about trying to get uh, support from the Democrats for their Heals Act, which is H-E-A-L-S, because they have to name everything in the most annoying way possible. Senate Republicans have authored another bold framework to help our nation. So now we need our Democratic colleagues to reprise their part as well. They need to put aside the partisan stonewalling we saw on police reform. God, he's electric. Rediscover the spirit of urgency and quickly join us 
around the negotiating table. The Senate will not waste time <laughs> with pointless partisanship. There's a reason why even Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer themselves have publicly downplayed the multi-trillion dollar socialist manifesto they published some weeks back. The Senate needs to pass another bill. God, he is boring. There's like five edits in that video. I don't think they took any words out. I think they just took out spaces. He stopped for so long. They edited out the spaces in his conversation. Um, here is uh, Schumer and Pelosi. Uh, they're complaining about the Republican plan. So we got to read the bill really carefully. Um, we hope they can get their act together. We very much want to get something done for the needs of the people and the needs of the country. They didn't have money for food stamps, but they have money for an FBI building just so that they can diminish you. competition for the president's hotel. In any event, I don't even think Mitch McConnell knew that was in the bill. But in any event, who knows is right. In any event, they have Not, something in there like the a event. tax credit for uh, expensive dinners and lunches, but no money for um, food stamps or uh, nutrition assistance in initiatives. They had money for dinner and lunch. That, that's food stamps. By the way, um, this is a Nancy Pelosi sucks commemorative pen. If you think Nancy Pelosi sucks, you may want to go to nancypelosisuckspen.com and get yours. Because every time I see that clip, any clip of her, honestly, I think of the same thing. She sucks. Uh, you know, it's obviously a bunch of games here. Uh, you know, Democrats put in, remember their support for the Kennedy Center in the last bill? Everyone throws all their crap in here. Hopefully they'll sort this out. And they will sort it out. It will just be too late for millions of Americans. That's what's going to happen here. Um, but we'll see what's going, what's on going forward. By the way, um, I don't want to ruin your day completely, but I kind of have to here uh, because Lake Titicaca's endangered scrotum frog could be on its last legs. There it is, the scrotum frog. Now, I have an opinion here that the CNN article is actually trolling about this. Listen to this. First of all, they say the frogs, whose scientific name is whatever, primarily live near Lake Titicaca, near Lake Titicaca. They're putting Titicaca in there because they want Titicaca in the same article as the scrotum frog, right? Then they say this, listen to this sentence. The frogs, which can grow up to 20 centimeters, parentheses, eight inches, from head to rump, is this is the article. Now, when has, why would CNN use the word rump in this article? <laughs> head to toe, head to tail, right? Head to rump? They and then why are they saying it's eight inches? Come on, guys. This is embarrassing. Then you read down here. Here's a quote. The project is backed by the Peruvian and Bolivian governments who have the same mission, promote the conservation of the Lake Titicaca giant frog. They don't even call it the scrotum frog. This guy just put the scrotum frog in there because he thought it was going to be funny. And you know what? He's right. He, he's actually right on that. You know, it's very rare. That CNN gets something right in one of their articles. And I got to give them credit here. The Lake Titicaca scrotum frog. They just, they nailed this one. Good job, journalists over at CNN. Back in a second. A lot of people ask all the time, should I wear masks? And, you know, look, it's up to you uh, whether you're going to wear a mask. Uh, I don't think the government should be mandating such things. We'll go into maybe some of the details on the science later this week. And I know Glenn's show tomorrow night, Wednesday night, they're going to go through a bunch of it. Should be a really interesting conversation. Um, I do want to show you this uh, little tip. I was flying this weekend or actually this past week when I was on vacation and um, I had a hoodie on like this uh, Stu Does America hoodie. 
Now, this is a solid freaking hoodie right here. You can get it at stewdoesmerch.com. It's got the cool symbols on the side. I really like this one. But here's what you can do, because you might be like, I don't want to, I'm trying to fall asleep. I can't fall asleep with a mask on. So what you do is you put on a Stu Does America hoodie, but you put it on backwards, okay? And then you just kind of lean back in your chair and you just put the hood right over your face like this. You see? You have the hood over your face and it kind of works as a mask and they can't come and pull it off. They don't know. You can just be asleep with the mask off the whole time. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you, America. That's all. I, I, that's it.